Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. We're starting a new series today called Hall of Fame. The subtitle is Leaving a Legacy. And so we're going to go through kind of the who's who, the main guys and gals of the Old Testament, really kind of discovering the legacies that they left. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff. And all the guys in my men's ministry on Monday nights are like, how are you going to do this in 30 minutes or less, Jared? I don't believe you. Um, it's going to be a challenge. There might be some to-be-continued night uh, days, okay? Um, but today we're going to cover Abraham, which, so that's only 12 chapters in Genesis. Um, usually, uh, like, <laughs> as compared to James, where we took, what, 18 weeks to get through five chapters. Uh, so we're going to cover 12 today. Ready, set, um, turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, if you have them handy. We're going to be dealing with a pillar of the faith, a, <laughs> a bedrock of the faith in Abraham today. Abraham is a very interesting person, uh, but as we look at his life, we're going to start to see some themes pull from that that we're going to see repeated all throughout the scripture. My goal for this series is to really look into the faces of, of these uh, men and women and see how we can identify with them. So often we look at the scripture and we kind of go, well, that, that, whatever. We, yeah, sure, that was David. You know, he was God's anointed. He's fine. Yeah, he had some warts and some stupid mistakes and some interesting habits uh, that got him into trouble, right? And uh, Abraham has the same issues, and uh, some of the other people, of all the people do. It's one of the things that sets the scripture apart. If I was writing my holy book, I wouldn't put the part where David sleeps with Bathsheba. Like, that wouldn't make the cut. I'd be like, let's just leave that part out. Right? And over and over and over and over again, we're going to see a scripture that says, well, the hero of the story is dumb. Over and over again, all these, all these heroes, all these guys who make the Hall of Fame, we're going to see how they messed up. Because the fundamental problem is that is I make Abraham the hero of the story. I make Moses the hero of the story. I make David the hero of the story. I make Samson the hero of the story. He's not the hero of the story. God is. Because I'm a man, I like to make myself the hero of the story. Right? Or woman, you guys do it too. So there you go. Uh, don't be like, mm, guys are dumb. Uh, that's what we do. Except the scripture is not about Abraham and Moses and Samson and David. It's about God is the hero. These are guys just players in the story. And so we get to be the same kind of players in this story. And so sometimes we look at these pillars of the faith and we go, oh man, well those guys had it. They did this and they're so great and they they did that and. We look at them and go, well, I can never be like that. Yes, you can, because you've got the same personality issues that they do. You've got the same problems that they do. You've got the same worries. You have Abraham today. We're going to talk about some fundamental questions that he's asking. Where should I live? How should I live? How do I deal with weird uh, relatives? And how should I raise my kids? 
Those are questions I ask myself every single day. I mean, not the weird relatives part because they listen to the messages. Uh, but but you know, we, we all deal with these issues. Right? We all deal with these issues. And these are the fundamental things that Abraham is thousands of years ago. He's asking these questions. And so uh, before we dive into any of these guys, I want to give you a little bit of where they're at. Abraham is the first of the patriarchs. It's a fun work, uh, word. Patriarchs, the, the faith fathers, if you will. And so Abraham is the first of that. It's starting in chapter 12. We go basically and follow Abraham's line down. We just start following Abraham and the rest of Genesis is about him and his grandchildren um, and so on and so forth through that until we get to um, Moses and Exodus. So we kind of deal with with them in the the back part of Genesis. Before that is really the creation um, story, if you will. Um, It is how the earth is made to Noah and the ark, which we experienced last week. And, uh, but uh, it's to that, uh, ext- that whole portion, how we get the, um, the creation of the world, the reset of the world. And now we're starting over basically with Abraham in this faith vein. Uh, there's, you can massage the scripture in some ways to figure out that, that Noah probably died two years before Abraham was born. So Noah lived for a long, long, long time. And then after Noah, life expectancies greatly, greatly reduced down, 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 down to where we have uh, now. Um, the advent of, I mean, just think of what decomposing flesh would have done in the world uh, if everything was wiped out. I think diseases would have been brought around, okay? Um, we're not talking about the flood creation stuff today. We're talking about Abraham. Before I get sidetracked, Kevin's laughing at me back there. He's like, Where, how are you going to pull that one back, Jared? Um, but you have all this stuff. So you see into Genesis, you, you go, okay, Noah is, is, uh, is passed away. Life is starting all over again in the Fertile Crescent. If you don't know where the Fertile Crescent is, that's the rivers that are in Iraq that go up into uh, that whole area there. So if you've watched uh, the news anytime in the last 30 years, you've seen a, a picture of Iraq. You can probably locate Baghdad better on a map than you can Wichita, Kansas. Okay, so uh, back, that's very helpful to us actually as Bible followers is that we can locate Baghdad on a map and now you can pretty much figure out where a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament is happening. Okay, ba- Babylon is real close to there and that's really where the seat of, of humanity comes from. Abraham finds himself in the city of Ur, which is fun to say, which is really close to there. So that's where God is meeting Abraham at the very beginning. It's there, over there in basically present-day Iraq. And so this journey that Abraham is going to go on to get all the way over to the the land that's promised to him, to Israel, uh, he takes a little detour into Egypt, and he comes back into the promised land. He really is centered around the Dead Sea area, which we'll get to a little bit later today. And uh, that's where he's at. So that's a pretty long journey. That's a, that's, a, that's a haul. Think about that. We're not riding on a horse or a camel. We're herding our whole family. We're nomads. We're going, okay, guys, let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. All the bandits and, and tribes that are in the way. And he's following God's call in his life to go that far. There's deserts. There's rivers to cross. There's everything you could imagine. Uh, problems getting there. And so this is what Abraham's journey looked like. So if you, you see that map in your head, I, that's how I think. I all of a sudden pull up maps into my head. Um, and from, from Baghdad going over to the bottom part of Israel. He wouldn't have gone straight across because there's a 
huge, nasty desert in the middle um, that no one would want to do that. So there's uh, now you have your geography and hopefully your time placement there. We're we are way back there, about three, four, five, uh, four thousand years ago. Uh, we are way, 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 way back, and that's where we are uh, at with Abraham. Okay, so enough with the history stuff. What's Abraham doing? What's his legacy? What does he look like? Very simply, Abraham's legacy is this, God first. Abraham's legacy, through all of the ups and the downs, all the trials, all the different things that goes on, his legacy is God is first. This is Abraham's legacy. This is what uh, Judaism is built on. They're all sons of Abraham. What is it? God is first. This is something that we get to start to impart into our own lives, something that we have to start incorporating into our own thought process. How is God first? Because Abraham follows this train of thought, and it takes him into some crazy adventures. It gets him into some trouble. It gets him out of a lot of trouble. Whenever he deviates from this simple, simple legacy of God is first, he gets in serious issues. He gets in serious issues with his wife. When God isn't first, he gets in serious issues with... uh, with kings of different countries, when God isn't first, he gets in serious issues with, with all kinds of different uh, interesting things we'll get into here in these, in these chapters when God isn't first. But Abraham's legacy, what he always comes back to, he may stumble along the way, but when he comes back to it is God is first. So the first question we ask, I think that Abraham is asking is, where should I live? Where should I live? Which is a huge question for Abraham to ask himself when you're a nomadic tribal leader. Okay, he's part of a family that's a family of nomads. And so he kind of has his own herds, a starter herd, if you will, some goats, some sheep. uh, And his inheritance of that, and he's he's traveling along with his family. He's got his herds in that. And there's a a call for his family kind of to move out of this Ur area. And he hears the call from God to go farther, to go farther. And so that's where we're at in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abram, don't get caught up with Abraham is, Abram gets his name changed to Abraham. That happens a lot in the scripture. Okay, so Abram, Abraham, anytime we use that, same dude, just different timeline in his life. Because you'd be very confused. Like, Jared, this is not the guy you keep on talking about. Uh, So the Lord said to Abram, go to your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go from your country. That's important. From your country, your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went and as the Lord had told him. Where should I live? It's not a geographical location. It's, I'm going to show you. I don't like that answer. Right? Where should, I, where, where should I live? I'll show you. Can you show me that on Zillow? <laughs> right? Because I would like to see the cabinets. Are they dark wood or are they oak? Yeah. That's what we do all the time. We overthink those questions. We want to know all the details. Could you imagine God looking at one of us today and said, hey, I'm going to make you a great people. Go where I show you. But where is that? 
Go where I show you. Excuse me? Right? Because we overthink it. We want to know all the details before we go. But how's this look? Can I plan it all out? Some of us, when you, uh, when you shop for a house, you've already got the walls painted and the colors that you want before you even went, stepped into it. It's the beauty of the internet, right? But that's not what... God makes a terrible realtor. <laughs> Go! To a place I will show you. When are you going to show me? Eh. About that time. When's that? Then. It's like playing who's on first with God. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Why? Because God is first. He was more responsive to the call than he was the answers he was being given. That's tough. Right? When there's a calling on your life to go do something, to go act on it, you feel it, that that is where I'm supposed to be. He's more obedient to the call than to the answers. That's hard. All you control freaks out there. Don't raise your hand. It's okay. No elbows either. But this is difficult stuff, right? How sh- where should I live? Go. I'll show you. That's hard. The answer to where should I live is God is first. I don't know if you know this, Jared, but that's not actually answering the question. That doesn't have an address, but it's the answer to the question. God is first. So where should I live? Where God wants me. Not always comfortable with that answer. Not always liking that answer. But that's how we are. The second question I want to ask today is, how do I handle weird family members? How do I handle weird family members? You're like, how in the world is this one in there? It, he deals with some weird family members. And this is what goes on here. Um, we're going to fast forward a little bit in Abram's story. He, he makes this huge huge trek. His uh, flocks are growing. It's getting great. He also has his nephew with him. His nephew's name is Lot. Lot is, is making the trek with him. Lot has his own little starter herd that's growing and growing and growing and is being blessed and, and going. And so now we've got this huge uh, armada, if you will, of goats and sheep in the Middle East. Now, there's one thing that the Middle East has a ton of is barren ground, And when you have a ton of animals and a ton of barren ground, you have the makings for some disagreements. Wars are fought over water rights. Where can we get uh, the water for my animals? How how does this work? What's going to happen? Where am I getting a little tuft of grass? This is an issue. And so Lot's uh, people are getting feisty with Abraham's people because they're like, hey, my master wants you know, the goats to live. And so if you don't give me this water, we're going to have a little, uh, little kerfuffle, if you will. Um, and I don't know where that word came from. Sorry. And so, so they were, they're starting to have some tension between the two. And Abraham says, listen, 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 listen. This, this is silly. This is silly. Lot, come here. And so Lot coming to this engagement probably was ready, loaded for bear. All right, Abraham. No, my people, you guys are treating us wrong. I'm, I'm just, I'm fine too. Don't treat me bad. None of you have ever had family issues where people come with preconceived notions that they're going to have arguments. Nobody ever has that problem. Um, so they're coming together in this big kind of 
a tension-filled moment, and Abraham says, all right, what lane do you want? And Lot says, you better, wait, what would you say to me? Where do you want to live, man? Where do you want to live? You want to live over there? Looks pretty nice. Got a nice little river, beautiful views. Get the mountains over here. You want to live to the south? There's some cities down there. You want to live to the, where do you want to live? I'm paraphrasing grotesquely of, the, of Genesis, uh, but you can read it yourself. Um, and so Lot says, I want to live over there. There's beautiful cities. That's where all the money's at. There's lots of water. I'm going there. Abraham says, okay. Go ahead. Go. Genesis 13, verse 8 and 9. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is that the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Go to the right, go to the left. Some of you need to deal with this in Thanksgiving. They sit on the left, you go to the right. Doesn't have to fight over the same seat. Just saying. Um, you go to the left, I'll, I'll go to the right. It's okay. We'll just deal with this. Lot picks the best land. He, makes, he takes the, the decisions that seem worldly like the best. He picks the cities and where all the money is. Do you know where he picks? Sodom and Gomorrah. If you go, I've heard of that before. Yeah, because in like five chapters, brimstone's going to come down from heaven and destroy the place. Good choice there. Lot, right? Okay, so that's where he picks because he's like, oh, that's, that's the fancy place. That's nice. I'm going to go to Las Vegas because you're in the desert. And there's this place that has water. Hey, let's go there. And so that's his thought process. I'm going to take the best. I'm going to go there. And so in Lot's selfishness, he kind of takes the best of the best in that. And then conversely, Abraham says, I gave you the choice. That's okay. He turns around. He goes the other way. God's response to Abraham saying, way to diffuse the situation. Good job. He says this. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around you from where you are to the north and to the south, the east and to the west. All the land you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving you it to you. How do we handle weird family members? We make God first. Jerry, that still doesn't answer the questions. This doesn't give me a five-step program. I understand God is first. When we start to reshape the way in which our mind works from my issues are first, I'm first, my kids are first, my job is first, or whatever we do in our priority situation to God is first, everything else starts to fall into place. That is not an easy thing to do. That is something that has to be fought for. That is something that has to be maintained over and over and over again. The temptations are there to always put something first. Always to put your own agendas first. The, what Abraham teaches us over a faithful, faithful life is to continually put God first. The next question that was asked is, how do I live? How do I conduct myself? How do I operate? And the answer is God is first. How do, I, how do I deal when people kind of have wronged me? How do I deal when, th- when adversity comes? How do I deal with these things? God is first. 
How do I, how do I live my life? God is first. Genesis 14, verse 17 to 20, we're going to, Lot has gotten himself into trouble. Uh, the kingdom of Sodom has been attacked by a bunch of other um, kings. When you see kings this early on, they're not necessarily kings. The only king there would have been uh, that we would recognize would be in Egypt, the pharaoh there. Uh, the rest are more like warlords, uh, city-state type stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, but so five of these guys have kind of abandoned together and said, we're going to take out Sodom and we're going to steal all their stuff and all their people and all their riches. Because when you're a rich area in the middle and you have everything and nobody else is, everybody else is living in the desert, it looks mighty tasty to go attack you and take your stuff, right? And so that's what happens. Lot happens to be living on the outskirts of Sodom. And so when those armies come, they steal Lot and all of his people and all of his family and all of his stuff. So someone breaks free from the, the prisoner chain and finds Abraham. He's like, Abraham, we got a problem. These five kings stole Lot, attacked the city, gave them the down, download of everything that happened. Can you come rescue him? So Abraham, minding his own business somewhere else in Israel in a nice area doing what God told him to do, says, all right. Takes 318 men. Been fighting for years, keeping off tribal warlords from their herds, fighting all kinds of stuff. They've been trained. They're kind of this uh, elite uh, guerrilla force, if you will, that Abraham has. And they go and chase down these kings. Um, and in the middle of the night, they do a guerrilla warfare and they attack from both sides and take all their stuff back. This is a really cool military operation. I'm really condensing down. And uh, they take all their stuff back, and Abraham's victorious. He beats all five of these kings in one time with 318 men. That's what Abraham does. Pretty cool stuff. Now, you would be thinking, if you're Abraham, you'd be like, pretty special. I just whooped five kings. I took all their stuff. Now, I have all the stuff of those kings. I have all the stuff of Sodom's kings because they stole it, right? So all their treasure's there. I got all of Sodom's treasure. I got all of Lot's treasure. And that jerk face gave me the bad desert part, and so I'm taking it. That's what you would think would be your mentality. Abraham doesn't work that way. His first reaction to being flushed with the blessing of being able to, uh, re- to release Lot and to be able to save these people is, <laughs> how do I deal with it? He tithes first. The first tithe in history, he tithes first. I think that's just amazing. So here he is. He's flush. He is set for life. He, is got, he won the lottery of all lotteries. He can go do whatever he wants. He can be king of the whole area if he'd like. He is just like, what he has done is, is, is contr- consolidated, is the word I'm looking for, consolidated control over this whole area. And his first act is to find um, a chesel deck who is a king of, his, uh, of Salem and also a priest of God. And he says, all right, I'm going to give you a tithe. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I just took. To say, this is, it wasn't because of me. I'm giving it to you. Genesis 14, verse 17 says, After Abram returned from defeating, a fun word, Kedor Lamir, Kedor Lamir, I don't know. Uh, you can just make up your own thing there. Like, as long as you're reading the scripture, just go for it, okay? Uh, and the... After defeating Bob uh, and the kings uh, allied with him, it's more important you read the scripture than you get all the names right. 
I've come upon so many people who are like, I can't read the names. Then make up your own. Okay? There we go. Uh, and the king's allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavia. That is the king's valley. Then Machesildek, which is so much fun to say, Machesildek, king of Salem, <laughs> brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high and blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. <clears throat> now, that's, that's really interesting to me. I love that Abraham, uh, his first reaction to being over abundantly blessed is to tithe. That's beautiful. I could stop there and be like, you get the lesson. When we, out of blessing, we give back to God. Out of everything, you know, I could beat that like a dead horse for the rest of the time. It gets better. Because Abraham takes this, he's flush with cash and goats, whichever one you value more, apparently. But he is flush with everything, worldly possessions he could possibly have. Everyone knows that they owe him their life. And, the first, and so Abraham, the first thing he does is he ties on it. And the second thing he does is he says, Lot, come here. And Lot's like, oh, great. Don't you love it when you owe somebody really big? Like, it's nice, but it's like... What are they going to do? This is family overall, and what do families do? They hold things over your head. Uh, not, not my family, your, your family. But, but you know, they hold things over your head. And so what's this going to be? <sighs> hey, man, good to see you. Here's your people back. Here's your servants back. Here's your goats back. Here's your sheep back. What do I owe you? Nothing. You're my nephew. They part ways. Third thing he does, King of Sodom comes up to him and says, Abraham, so you got all my stuff. Like in lockup over there? I mean, you, you could have a little bit of it. If you, if you want, if you could just give me the people back, you can have all the things. If you just give me the people back. Now, he has no right to ask for any of this. Abraham could have said, shut up. You're not king of anything anymore. I'm king of Sodom now. Instead, he says, I don't want your stuff. Take the people. Take the things. Have a nice day. Out of the amazing blessing of God, he is overcome with acting out of generosity. When he has the leverage to really put the screws to all these guys, he says, you know what? Take it back. I've got what I need. My God has blessed me. I don't need to be trying to meddle in all of your guys' stuff. Have it back. It's Abram's response. We get hung up on the tithe, but I'm even more impressed with the the incredible generosity that Abraham has even past the tithe. That when when he is, how do I live? How do I act? I, I act as God is first. Yeah, if I've orchestrated my life so that God is first in this, that generosity can't help but overflow out of everything. Not only just with whatever, I got to write, write my, my 10% and get fixated on my 10%. No, no, no. It's an attitude of, it's all generous. He restores relationships. He changes all of that. How does he live? He lives with God is first. Now we're going to get weird. 
that wasn't weird enough for you. Uh, how do I parent? God is first. Jared, that's not a strategy. God is first. How do I parent? You know, this one's weird. Okay, it's weird. Genesis chapter 22. It's one of the most interesting times in the Bible. And, and, and we get hung up on it because it's, it's weird. And you're going to understand that in a little bit. Okay, God has continued to promise Abraham that he would be a blessing. That he, his descendants will number like the sand in the, on the earth. That his, his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. There's only one teeny little problem with this blessing. He didn't have any kids. So I, I don't know how you think this descendant thing works, but I have to have children for that to happen. And he doesn't have any kids. And so he's doing all this. He's being blessed with all these financial gains. He's being obedient. He's followed God. It's called all over the Middle East, wherever you want me. Oh, this is the land you promised me. Awesome. But I'm about like 100 now. And we don't have any children, so what are we going to do about that? And so God blesses Abraham, and there's a whole other issue with Hagar. Really big screw up for Abraham's part. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But um, what happens is is Abraham tries to rush God's plan. And uh, so he's like, oh, well, maybe he doesn't mean with Sarah. He means with this other girl. And so I'll bring her into my tent and... Not great things happen there, as you can imagine. So that's what goes on. But how do I parent? He finally has a child, Isaac, with his wife, Sarah. And he has this this awesome little boy. And God says to him, all right, Abraham, you have the child. Now I want you to go sacrifice him. And Abraham says, okay. Like, what does that look like when he looks at Sarah's face? And he's like, hey, we're going to go for a walk now. Now, it's a, probably a 12-year-old boy, so she might have been okay. No. <laughs> so, uh, it's a little slow laughter there. It's okay. You guys, uh, you guys all have teenage boys. Um, the smell alone will make you want to do that. Uh, but God asked him to sacrifice Isaac, this is counter to everything that God is. God, this doesn't make sense. Why would I sacrifice my son? What? This, you're not a God that does this. These other pagan gods, they're the ones that require child sacrifices, not you, God. Why are you doing this? Hey, I want you to go up top of the mountain. I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Can you imagine? This is the child that's been promised. God, I've been following you all over the place. You want me to sacrifice my son? Mm -hmm. And so he goes on the journey, hikes up the mountain. He takes Isaac with him. And I I can't imagine. Like when, I can't can't imagine. I have a nine-year-old boy. I can't imagine taking him on a journey knowing he's not walking back down the mountain. And so, here I am, and he's walking up there. I'm going, I've lived a life. I've tra- traveled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. I've trusted you with everything that I have. God is first. 
And so he goes, as he goes to sacrifice his son, God stops him and provides a different sacrifice. That's a weird, uncomfortable story, especially for us today. But as we think about it, it's this moment, hey, Abraham, I know you wanted this child really badly, but am I still first? And the lesson reverberates into our own lives. I know you want this job really, really badly. I know you want this relationship really, really badly. I know you want these kids really, really badly. I know you want X, Y, or Z really, really badly. But am I still first? How do I parent? God is first. Is that painful sometimes? Absolutely. Does that mean saying no to things that you want to say yes to? Absolutely. But how do I parent? God is first. And then finally, how do I manage the mistakes of my marriage? God is first. If Abraham is guilty of messing up, it's messing up his marriage. So uh, Sarah, his wife, remember Noah in the whole flood thing kind of depleted the amount of people that are in the world. Let's just get that out of the hand before I talk about who Sarah is. Sarah is his sister, same father, different mother, okay, and they're married. I know, it's weird, it's Game of Thronesy. okay? So, uh, <laughs> there it is. So we've got this issue going on, but that's who Sarah is. So Sarah must have been a hottie, because anytime Sarah and Abraham go into a new era, area, and they meet a new king, he's like, hey, they worked this out. This is like in the prenup. They didn't have prenups, but this is, this is in there. He's like, anytime you meet, you need to introduce yourself as your sister, because you're technically not lying. We are sisters. Or brother and sister. He's not a girl. Brother and sister. Sorry, you knew what I'm saying. So introduce yourself as as my sister and uh, not my wife. Because if you're in a place of a king with all his army, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'll just kill your husband and I'll take you as my wife. And so Abraham is trying to spare his own life. And he's trusting that aspect of it instead of trusting God. When things get difficult, he's trying to figure out and finagle a way out of it so that he will not be inconvenienced or he will not be in any trouble. Instead, he puts his wife in a terrible position where she keeps on being made a concubine of two, not once, but this happens twice in the scripture, uh, twice that uh, a king takes her to be a concubine and all kinds of bad stuff starts happening to his, his family. And he's like, what is wrong with this woman? And God's like, hey, that's uh, Abraham's wife. And why didn't you tell me that you're actually married to her? I never would have done this. And Abraham, instead of trusting God's provision, trusts in his own little scheme. Now, how many times have our own little schemes really screwed up our own marriages? How do I manage the mistakes of my marriage? God is first. We start hijacking our own marriages when we start entering into selfishness. When ourselves are our number one. We've talked about this in many marriage talks before. But as God is number one and our spouses are number two, that keeps the, the order in the right place. If we even make our spouse our number one thing in our life, we have a problem. God is number one. God is first. Our spouse is number two. 
and our hobbies and our likes and our things and our whatever it is, those are far down on the list. So how do I manage the mistakes of my marriage? God is first. Abraham continues to make these problems. He, he, he does this not once, but twice. Then the third time he messes it up with the whole uh, Hagar issue, when he, when he invites her into his bed, is he's trying to rush God's plan. It's about me. And over and over again in Abraham's life, and we're going to see this over and over again in all these guys' life, is when we try to rush God's plan, we try to make God's plan make sense for us, and we put ourselves elevated on the throne, we cause all kinds of problems. So how do I manage the mistakes of my marriage? God is first. So the question for you today is this, where is God in your life? Who is first? Is it God? Is it a job? Is it your kids? Is it a hobby? Where is God? We need to do the hard work, the tough work of reflecting and starting the formative foundational recalibration of making God first in our lives. It's the legacy that Abraham leaves us. So I was going to ask you today and ask you this morning of what would your legacy be this morning? Would it be that you loved God or would it be that you love the Cubs? Would it be that you love God or would it be something else? What does your legacy say about you? This morning in reflection, we're going to take communion. So um, ushers, come on forward. We're going to take communion together. Band, come on up. Here at Shore Church of God, we practice open communion. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. You don't have to take a special class or do anything um, out of the ordinary. Just uh, feel free. You are a family member. Feel free to take communion with us this morning. Guys, go ahead and start passing those out, please. But as we look at these elements, as the, the, the bread that represents the body of Christ broken for us and the, the grape juice, the blood poured out for us to wash away our sins, this is a beautiful reminder of where am I placing God in my life? If he really is the redeemer of my life, if he really is the, the payment for my sins, if he really is a God who's, who's blessed me with eternal life, have I placed him first in my life or is he stuck in the closet and I just bring him out when I need him? Because a God who would sacrifice himself for us deserves to be on the throne of our lives, not placed off somewhere down the priority chain. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to take communion. Thank you for the chance to be able to come in contact with you. Lord, I ask you to be with us. I ask you to guide us. I ask you to walk us through these moments. I ask you to walk us through this recalibration of making you first in our lives. And for some of us, that's incredibly difficult. There's a mountain of excuses and a mountain of 
of problems and making you first. And God, I ask you to speak into our hearts and our heads. Give us the courage to chase after you. To give us the, the perseverance to make you first in our lives. We crave that, Lord. And in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.